Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aileen. And today we are joined by Dr. Lisa Baer, pediatrician, nationally certified child passenger safety instructor, and co-founder of The Car Seat Lady. Welcome, Dr. Lisa Baer. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We're really excited for this conversation. Very excited. My pleasure. As two pregnant moms, and I also have a toddler, we're in the middle of making registries and we have friends making registries. So we need to know all there is to know about car seats because it's one of the biggest conversations. And it's also the first thing, like one of the first thing you need to have to even leave the hospital. So that's like just you have no choice but to know what you need. Yeah. And one thing I want to mention about Dr. Bear is that she is not affiliated with any brand. So all of her advice is non-biased and based purely on evidence-based safety. Yeah, that's really important. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, of course. As our sponsored posts, our content is just based on our experience and expertise. So can you tell us what it means to be the car seat lady? When Brittany was like, we're having the car seat lady on, I'm like, she kept, she kept saying car seat lady, car seat. I'm like, what's her name? And then I realized that's like your whole brand. That's the company. Yeah. So can you, what does that mean? Um, how did you, how did this become your thing? And um, how long have you been practicing pediatrician? Uh, So I've been a pediatrician. I finished my residency in 2009 at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And I've been the car seat lady actually for many more years than that. I started in 1998. Mm. Uh, My mother is how I got involved. My mother, Debbie, uh, is a uh, labor and delivery nurse, and she is the OG car seat lady. Uh, (laughs) She's been doing this for nearly 40 years. She got involved in the early 80s. Uh, where things were pretty grassroots. The laws were just being passed throughout the U.S., requiring kids to sit in seats, but awareness about them uh, was growing but low, uh, and so she helped to raise awareness, and then um, it pivoted towards helping parents install their seats properly. Uh, I got involved my senior year of high school, and I It is 23 years later, and uh, I've helped families install more than 15,000 car seats in the interim. And uh, my best friend, Emily, uh, joined us in 2005, uh, and she's been an instrumental part of the car seat lady as well for the past 16 years. It's pretty amazing. It's it's kind of funny to think that you in high school are thinking about how to properly uh, fasten children that you're probably not thinking about having yet. (laughs) Yeah. The school that we went to, we had to do an internship our senior year of high school where we had no classes for a month and had to volunteer somewhere. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. And my mother just kept saying, well, you just volunteer at the nursery and the hospital she works in. And I literally didn't know what else to do that month. So when it came time to fill out the form, that's what I put down I was doing. I had never put in a car seat before that, but she gave me about two months of a crash course and the rest is history. That's great. So let's get into it. We know there are so many car seats on the market and it's so hard to choose the right one for you, for your car, for your child. Um, How do we know what we're buying is safe and what is safe? What does that mean? 
Yeah, so I'm going to tackle that in two different ways. So first of all, I want to refer parents to our website because we've done a car seat buying guide in a different way than most websites where they'll give you reviews of like 15 to 20 seats in each category. But we know that parents are coming to us for our expertise. So we've chosen typically three to four in each category. Um, and we'll help you choose within those, but knowing that any of those are excellent choices um, in terms of fitting a wide variety of vehicles a wide variety of children and being the easiest to use in terms of straps, twisting less than average, accommodating children of various sizes. And our website is thecarseatlady.com. Uh, as far as how to know if the seat that you're buying is safe, we're very fortunate in the US to have really strong and rigorous minimum safety standards that any seat that's sold in the US needs to pass. As long as you're buying the seat from a regular store an online retailer, somewhere where you can find that, you know, you know the store, you can trust that the seat that they're selling has passed those standards. The one caution is please do not be buying car seats off of Alibaba. They're often selling seats that uh, do not pass any safety standards or might not be passing U.S. safety standards. And also on Amazon, third-party retailers that seem like they might be selling a seat that's not coming directly from the U.S., be very cautious. So any of the big box, any of the family-owned companies that are under their Brixy independent stores umbrella, those are great choices to buy a car seat from. That's great information. How are they testing? Is there, I am sure it's extremely intensive process, but can you explain like what, what does it mean to be minimally? What are the minimum safety standards they have? Yeah. What are the, what are the minimum safety standards that these car seats must pass? And when I say minimum, I want to indicate that anything that passes that is a safe seat. Uh, So in terms of the crash testing, all car seats that are sold in the U.S. are required to perform in a 30 mile per hour frontal crash test, and they're required to test with various dummies. The dummy size is based on the weight range that the manufacturer is certifying that seat to. And we look at different injury metrics to understand how well that car seat does or does not protect that child in that specific crash. So we look at how much force is put onto the child's chest, and we look at a metric called the head injury criteria, or HIC, that as the name would indicate is a marker for how likely would a child be to suffer a head injury uh, in a crash like that. And so when the car seats are crash tested, uh, there are numbers that are given for how many Gs, the force of gravity um, on the chest forces. And the HIC is a number that's out of the maximum is 1,000, but typically you won't see manufacturers going above about 600 and that most feel that above that is uh, not favorable for a child's outcome. Um, In both of those, the lower the number, the better. Uh, But parents don't have to be looking at the crash test results themselves as long as they are buying a seat that meets the U.S. um, standards. It will say certified under federal motor vehicle safety standards uh, and that they have used it properly. That seat will do a good job to protect their child. The most important thing is that whatever seat you've chosen, it's installed properly and that the child is buckled properly in that the most common misuse of car seats, more than 90% of car seats are misused and half of them have at least five errors. The most common being that the seat is way too loose in the car and the child is buckled way too loose in the straps. Even when parents are afraid they've made it too tight, they've typically made it still too loose. Oh, wow. 
So question, when you're shopping as a consumer, when you're shopping, you're saying you don't need to look at crash tests. That's great news. (laughs) That's too much research. They're like, I mean, I've been looking all over the internet. People recommend this or that. Everything is top rated. And I understand like as a semi-smart consumer that like marketing dollars are placed all over this. How do you discern... And obviously, please let us know what you recommend for infants and for toddlers for the, the safest. But how do you discern what is actually right for you? It's a good question. That's why we've designed our buying guide the way we have in that it is overwhelming. And so we've tried to separate the wheat from the chaff. For infant seats, we right now have enough publicly disclosed crash test results Uh then the testing was done at independent government approved crash test labs. Um, Baby Gear Lab has done some of it and Kleck is the own, only manufacturer that publicly discloses their own crash test results. Again, they do not do the testing. All this is done at independent government approved crash test labs. So whoever is paying for the testing has no influence on the results that are published. Um, so for infant seats, we have a clear winner. Uh, in terms of which seat outperforms every other seat in both the government's and consumer reports crash testing. And that seat is made by Kleck and it's Ling, L-I-I-N-G. And it's, it's not a secret why that seat does so well in crash testing. And that brings me to a topic in terms of what features parents can look for in seats, uh, especially as you're looking at convertible seats where we don't have as clear of an indication of which seats are safest because we don't have as much publicly released crash test results. So in general, a seat is going to be safer when it moves as little as possible during a crash. The more a car seat moves, the more force it gets applied to the child's body and the further the child moves in the car. And the more the child moves, the more likely they are to be able to hit their head or other body parts on hard structures like the door frame, the window, the back of the seat in front of them. So we want tight. We want the car seat tight to the car and the child tight to the car seat. So in terms of the car seat, there are certain features that you can find on seats that will make them tighter than others. For rear-facing seats, the most effective type of what I'm gonna call a motion limiting device is one that restricts the motion of the rear facing car seat such that it does not get to move towards the front of the car and it does not get to pivot more recline during a crash. By eliminating those motions forwards and downwards, you allow the shell to absorb much more of the force of the crash and put much less of the force onto the child's body and specifically about half of the force Um, on the child's head and neck compared to a seat without that type of a feature. So on seats, you can see a load leg, which if parents look at the Ling, for example, it has a load leg. That's a metal pole that comes down from the edge of the base and rests on the floor of the car. You can also restrict that motion in a different way. If you're a family who lives in an urban environment and might be taking Uh, your seat in an Uber or a taxi, looking for a carrier where you wrap the shoulder belt around the back of the carrier, what you'll see called a European belt path, that is going to restrict the motion in the same way. It just does it using the vehicle seatbelt instead of a metal pole. And when we get to convertible seats, a few of them, right now it's the ones made by Kleck. And again, I have no financial ties to Kleck or any other manufacturer. Uh, but they're bringing over features that if you were go you, if you were to go to Europe or Australia or China, 
in those places, they don't allow their rear facing seats to move as much in a crash as we do ours. And you would see that all of their rear facing seats either have a load leg or they use a tether strap for rear facing. A tether is a strap that connects the top of the car seat to the tether anchor in the back of the vehicle, or they wrap the shoulder belt around the back of the car seat. So looking for features on a rear facing seat that will limit that type of motion are exceptionally effective at reducing head and neck forces. The convertible is for the older kid, right? That's for, that's it the convertible for means. It's a newborn. It's typically one that parents transition to after the baby's outgrown the infant seat. So convertible by definition is a seat that starts out rear facing and then converts to forward facing. There are some seats that are called all-in-ones, three-in-ones, four-in-ones. Yeah. Those typically, but not always, will be rear-facing, forward-facing, and then some type of a booster seat. But sometimes, as with all types of marketing, it can be confusing. So just be careful to know exactly what the seat you're buying does. One thing um, I wanted to bring up, there are so many different ways to, and I know you've been talking about them, um, to connect your car seat, but some car seats come with more than one way to connect it. Yes. Should we be connecting it all those ways? One of those ways? What is the best (laughs) way? So let's talk about the different ways. So uh, this in the US, all car seats are required to be able to be installed in two separate ways. One way is using the vehicle seatbelt, and the other way is using the lower anchors of the latch system. Latch stands for lower anchors and tethers for children. The lower anchors are a set of metal kind of U-shaped bars that are hidden in the seat crease of the vehicle. And the T part of the latch system, the tether, is an anchor located in the back of the car. If you have a sedan, you'll find it on that shelf below the rear windshield. And minivans or SUVs typically on the back of the vehicle seat, but sometimes on the floor or even the roof. Uh, And that's an anchor that's typically used on every forward-facing car seat. It secures the head of the car seat to the back of the car, restricting how far the car seat and in turn the child's head moves and reducing brain and spinal cord injuries. And as I was saying earlier, there are a few seats in the U.S. that are starting to use tethers for rear facing as well, uh, which is great to be seeing that. Uh, So in terms of the lower anchors and the seatbelt, they are almost always mutually exclusive. So uh, it's not a lot of parents are frustrated they can't get the car seat tight enough or they think that two is better than one and they'll use both the lower anchors and the seatbelt together, uh, but that is typically not allowed. There's one or two exceptions and that will be clearly stated in the owner's manual to the child's car seat. If it's not allowed, don't do it. Um, in terms of which one is safer, most car seats secure themselves to the lower anchors in the car using a strap. That lower anchor strap, which people often call a latch strap, that is no safer or less safe than the seatbelt in that they're both straps connecting the car seat to the car. There are weight limits to the lower anchors. So above a certain weight, not in the infant seat realm, but in the convertible seat realm, parents, if they are using the latch strap, need to be aware of the weight limits for it. So with some car seats, some are easier to install with the seatbelt, especially those that have good built-in locking devices for the seatbelt. Others are much easier to get a secure installation with the lower anchor strap. The one time where latch is typically safer than the seatbelt is true rigid latch. So rigid latch 
uh, is where think of the connectors kind of like a train that runs on a track. The connectors are steel, kind of like a train. They run on a horizontal plane directly from the footprint of the child's car seat. They extend out, they bite onto the lower anchors, the metal bars and the vehicle seat crease. And then kind of like a train can reverse direction at the station, they then retract back into the shell of the child's car seat. That direct steel to steel connection with no strap in the middle um, will hold the car seat more tightly and securely to the car than any strap can. No matter how strong the person is who might be trying to pull the strap, rigid latch will always hold it tighter. Right now in the US, we only have two seats with true rigid latch. In other countries, that's much more common. Uh, but right now, the infant seat is the ling, uh, and the convertible seat when it's forward facing is the funf. Uh, and the, both of those are made by Cleck. So Cleck is the only manufacturer that's making the rigid latches at the moment. The true rigid latch is just available on those two seats in the U.S. But if you were to go to Europe, you would see that almost every manufacturer has several seats with true rigid latch. And this might be a stupid question. <laughs> Please forgive me. But everything comes with this car seat that you buy, right? Like you don't need to go and buy extensions. Like I don't need to buy an extra latch or anything like that, right? Like it just comes, you install. There are sometimes accessories that are sold separately. Ironically, sometimes there are safety features that are sold separately for the most part. So one general rule is if it doesn't come with your car seat, you typically do not want to add it. So you might see like, if you go to a big box store, you'll typically see an aisle larger than the car seat aisle devoted to products to add to the car seat. Extra head inserts, extra strap covers, um, sleeping bags for winter time, um, seat protectors for uh, pee accidents. Those should not be added. But there are some cases where the manufacturer sells separately uh, an accessory that is approved for that seat. So for example, I was mentioning the rear-facing tether that Clack offers. That is right now available separately and not with the seat. Okay. But for the most part, whatever comes with your car seat is typically all that you'll need. Okay. So you mentioned that Clack is the safest, but I'm sure there are so many other safe infant seats, um, especially, you know, for families who can't afford to go run and change everything, go buy a 300 plus dollar infant car seat. Can you recommend the other ones that you um, re recommend? <laughs> There's two others that are at a friendlier price point for more families. The Kiko Fit 2 is the highest capacity infant seat. Uh, so if you're looking for a seat to last as long as possible, a lot of kids will last in it closer to their second birthday rather than their first birthday. It doesn't take up a lot of room into the front seat. The base has a built-in locking device for the seat belt and the carrier has a European belt path. And it fits preemies and big babies uh, both very nicely. Um, and then we also like at a lower price point, Graco has a lot of versions of their Snug Ride Snug Lock. Um, there's a few versions of that that we like. So if you go to our website, it will link you through to exactly which version. Um, that one you can often get uh, about 150 to 200. And it also takes up relatively little amount of room into the front seat. So for maybe a higher price point, I know yeah. you mentioned that having a load leg like the Ling has is yeah. something that... Um, increases safety. I know the Nuna Pippa light has that as well. Is that at a higher price point, a relatively, is that a safe option? 
So all of the Nuna Pippa's seats, the lights, the RX, um, they all have load legs on their base. Uh, and Cybex also offers load legs on all of their infant seat bases as well. Uh, and there's a few others, uh, even Flow has on one of their seats in addition. Um, a load leg is usually a good feature to look for. Um, however, from the crash testing that we have available that's published on Baby Gear Lab's website, just having the load leg is not everything. Uh, and parents can see that some of the most expensive seats on the market, despite what the marketing on those seats would indicate, don't actually perform as well as many of the less expensive seats. One thing parents should definitely keep in mind is that the price of the seat does not indicate the safety of the seat, nor does what the marketing team would lead you to believe always correlate with the crash test results. What's going to be really important, first of all, is just will that seat install securely in your car? And will that seat fit your child securely? And also, will it be easy to use on the everyday basis? Because once you've gotten it installed, you'll typically do that once or twice at most, but you're going to put your child in and out of the seat every day, maybe several times a day. So on any seat you get, looking at how easy it is for you to put your child in and out of the seat and tighten the straps is an important thing to consider. Can um, I ask you about a very popular one that literally every single person has recommended to me to buy? <laughs> um, it's called the it's the Duna. I'm sure everybody who's listening knows what it is. Is that also considered in that group of expensive? But so if you look at uh, we were talking about earlier how infant seats are evaluated with two injury scores, one being how much forces are put on the child's chest and the other being the head injury criteria. Our government standard allows up to 60 Gs, Gs being the force of gravity, to be applied to the child's chest. Um, the Duna and the Nuna Pippa, when used with their bases and installed with latch, they both put 60 Gs, so the maximum the government allows of force onto the child's chest. To contrast that, um, the Kleck Ling puts 32 Gs. So they both meet the government minimum of 60 or less, but there's a wide range uh, between those. Uh, the seats without the base, ironically, like the Duna or the Nuna, um, likely perform better than they do with their base, surprisingly. So one of the biggest questions that parents have is when do they transition their child from an infant car seat to a rear-facing convertible car seat? It's a great question. So uh, most infant seats are going to be outgrown in height, not in weight. And so that surprises parents, especially parents who are looking to buy an infant seat. They'll be wooed by these high weight limits of 30, 32, 35 pounds. But even if you have the Pillsbury Doughboy of babies, you will not reach the weight limit on your infant seat. Your baby is going to be too tall first. And too tall is the same for basically every infant seat, which is that you want to allow at least one inch of room between the top of the baby's head and the top of the car seat. So what that means is that your baby's total length, and especially their leg length, does not matter at all in terms of whether your baby has or has not outgrown their infant seat. So your baby's legs hanging off the edge, touching the back of the vehicle seat, it does not matter. What does matter is that their head is at least an inch below the top. Uh, and obviously within the weight parameters, but again, that's really not an issue for almost any baby. 
Uh, in terms of when a baby will outgrow the infant seat, typically, obviously it depends on your baby and your car seat, but typically between nine to 15 months, a parent can expect that they're gonna be changing out of the infant seat and into the convertible seat. And again, a convertible is a seat that starts out rear facing and then changes to forward facing. In terms of the next transition that will come up is when do you change that convertible seat from rear facing to forward facing? The first thing to know is that at least a third of the states in the United States right now require by law that children remain rear facing until at least their second birthday. And I just wanna reiterate as we start talking about having bigger kids rear facing, that we're not talking about seeing two-year-olds in their infant seats. We're talking about two-year-olds and three and four and five-year-olds in convertible seats rear facing, not infant seats. The state law will often require till at least two, but the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends going much further than that. They recommend that you use your convertible seat rear-facing until your child reaches either the height or the weight limit for it rear-facing before you turn it forward. Most convertible seats now go to at least 40 pounds rear-facing and quite a few go to 50 pounds. The height limit is the same as on the infant seats usually, which is where you leave an inch of room between the top of the head and the top of the seat. Again, the child's leg length does not matter. One of the most common misconceptions by parents is that they look at a rear-facing child, they see their legs scrunched or cross-legged or frog-legged, and they imagine that it's either unsafe and or uncomfortable. So I want to take a minute and talk about that because it's really important that we keep kids rear-facing. It's the safest way for them to ride. And understanding why it's both safe and comfortable can help parents navigate this and delay the transition rather than rush it as so many parents do. So the reason that rear facing is comfortable for a child, even when it might look uncomfortable, is that children are not small adults. They have not gone through puberty yet and their joint spaces are wide open and their ligaments are loose. They have much more range of motion in their hip, their knee and their ankle joints, as well as all the other joints in their body than you and I do. So when you see them sitting in positions that you think are uncomfortable, they might be uncomfortable. And in fact, your body might not even be able to sit like that but their body not only can sit that way, but can sit there very comfortably. The other thing, parents often see their child kicking the back of the vehicle seat and think that that's uncomfortable. Whereas when they turn the child forward facing, that child then starts to kick the back of the front seat. It drives people crazy. Yeah. Uh, Forward facing is ironically less comfortable for the legs than rear facing. Uh, we do studies of children in crashes to understand how their bodies get injured and don't get injured. Rear-facing children only suffer leg injuries in direct side impacts where the vehicle intrudes and breaks their leg. That's really the only time we see leg injuries to rear-facing kids. But forward-facing, we actually see a lot more leg injuries, and they happen when the child's legs fly up, they hit the back of the front seat, and as everything moves forward, the foot gets stuck, and then there's compression forces into the thigh bone, the femur, and the hip joint. So long story short, Whatever your child wants to do with their legs is totally fine. Okay. So actually like kids could sit rear facing for much longer than a lot of parents think. Correct. Yes. 
in my experience, if children were left to decide what direction they ride, we would have many more children rear facing to much longer ages. So most kids can ride rear facing in whatever convertible seat they have till at least age three to four, and many of them can get till closer to age six. And is there a specific convertible car seat that maybe has better leg space? Yeah, so the ones that you'll see that we recommend on our website, um, if you're looking for, if you have all the room in the world in terms of width, let's say you have, you know, a really wide car and you're not looking to do three across, a really good option that's very budget friendly is Graco's Extend-A-Fit. Um, not the more expensive versions of the Extend-A-Fit, like the Forever Extend-A-Fit or the Platinum, just the regular base model, which you can often get on sale for about $150. Um, that one has a tremendous amount of leg room. Uh, it has an extension panel that can go out by up to five inches to give more leg room. It also takes up very little room into the front seat. It is a little wider than some seats. So in three acrosses, it's often going to be too wide. But then again, most seats will be. So right. for a parent that's looking for a narrower seat, narrower on the outside, but not in the inside, and in that the room in the inside is still very roomy and has a lot of leg room and width, then you'll see that we talk about the Kleck Foomf and Flow. Uh, so for parents who are planning ahead and might add kids to the family, starting off with narrower seats uh, can be helpful in that you're less likely to need to replace a seat as you add extra kids to the family. Is there anything that we didn't ask that you think is really important for our listeners to hear or know about, you know, car seat safety or installation? Yeah, so I want to talk about a couple of things. One is making sure that everyone is safe in the car. So uh, a lot of times a parent will sit in back and ride without their seatbelt on. That's incredibly dangerous. Uh, and we know from studies that if one adult rides in back without a seatbelt, the people who did buckle up, that might be the child or the driver, they're up to three times more likely to die in that same crash because everything becomes very heavy during a crash, weighs its usual weight times however many Gs are in the crash, again, being the force of gravity. And a typical 30 mile per hour crash has about 20 to 25 Gs. So an 100 pound adult times 20 Gs is 2000 pounds. And you will move around the car if you're not wearing your seatbelt. Uh, and you do not want 2000 pounds landing on you. So the most important thing, first of all, is that everyone wears their belt wherever they put their tush. If you can't fit your belt on, you don't sit there. Um, because I know a lot of the moms listening are pregnant, I want to talk about how to wear your seatbelt properly during pregnancy and that we know that wearing it properly is the best way to reduce injury risk to mom and her unborn baby. So the seatbelt always goes the same part of everyone's body, which is that the lap belt is low and flat on the lap. It should never be across anyone's belly. But as the pregnancy progresses, you're going to have to be more conscientious about putting it in the right place. So I'd recommend lifting the belly up, tuck the lap belt nice and low. You're then going to pull up on the shoulder belt that will snug the lap belt up. Uh, and then uh, just let the shoulder belt rest across your chest, never under your arm, never behind your back. Please do not buy any of the pregnancy seatbelt adjusters. There's a very large 
market for accessories that are completely unregulated. And despite what the marketing might indicate about them being crash tested or otherwise, um, we do not have pregnant dummies that are biofidelic enough. That means able to replicate what a real pregnant body experiences in a crash to say that these would in any way be safe. We do know from studies of real pregnant people in real crashes that when the seatbelt is worn properly, it significantly reduces uh, the risk of injury or death to both mom and baby. So wear the seatbelt as is and wear it properly. The one other thing to mention is um, I had alluded to the fact that most kids are buckled way too loose in their car seat, even when parents, everyone worries about making it too tight and many parents think they've made it too tight. So I want everyone to uh, watch the video I have on my YouTube channel and on my Instagram that shows how to buckle a child in a car seat it's the same technique on basically any car seat. So whether you watch my video for an infant or for a toddler, you're gonna do the same thing, whether the child is three days old or three years old. Uh, but please make sure you're getting the straps effectively snug. A lot of parents are missing out on the fact that slack is hiding out in the hips and the belly area. And so you'll see that in my video, I show uh, that while you're tightening the straps, you need to keep the chest clip low and be pulling the shoulder straps up to gather the slack and then pulling the tail and only moving the chest clip up to the armpit level after you've made sure the straps are fully snug. I think I saw that on your Instagram. Yes. Yeah. I just sent that to <laughs> my husband cute. this morning. Um, and so if anybody who's listening, who's like literally panicking and like, I don't know, like, you know, they don't trust themselves to do anything. You also offer like consultations to show someone how to install their car seat properly. Right. Yeah. So we offer both virtual consultations to families across the country, as well as in-person consultations to families in the New York City and Baltimore areas, where we'll have a phone consultation, we'll discuss the car and the car seat that you have or are thinking of buying. We help families make better choices when both buying vehicles as well as car seats. Once you have the right setup, uh, we'll send you what we call our usage guide, uh, which is uh, we've aggregated uh, the setup, installation, and usage instructions and videos that we have for specific seats. We'll send you that. You'll get your seat set up using those instructions and installed. And then we either do a video call or meet in person to make sure that the seat is installed securely and that the baby is buckled properly in the seat. And so that parents can sign up for a virtual or in-person consultation on our website. That's great. Thank you so much. This has been extremely informative. I've learned much. Yeah. Um, so everyone can reach you at the car seat lady on Instagram, the car seat anywhere else. Can you tell us what the, your YouTube channel is? I'm have a feeling it's yeah. called the car seat lady. It's the car seat lady with the number one at the end. Okay. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bear. Um, for everybody, please go reach out to her. If you are still confused or don't know what to do or don't know what to buy. Um, Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of Betcha's Moms Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Elisa Bear. Um, everyone, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Betcha's Moms on Instagram. And don't forget to follow us. I'm at Aileen. Brittany is at Brit Rich. And remember, there are no rules in this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino.
Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.